Well, welcome to another edition of the Cake and Eat It podcast. My name is Jody Seeley. We've got another special guest this week, but without further ado, my co-host extraordinaire Fauna Buse is here. Hey, Jody. I'm really excited today because I'm introducing you and our listeners to a really dear friend of mine. So for probably two years, I kept having people say, you have to meet Vic. Fauna, have you met Vic? You have to meet Vic. I think maybe Vic was hearing the same thing. And once we did, we started a conversation that just, it hasn't stopped. And our show is about community and Vic embodies community. So he is the, I know you don't like being called the founder of things. He's like one of the collaborators who brought yoga topes to Okotoks. And for people who aren't, maybe who are listening from abroad, Okotoks is a town close to us. And Yoga Tokes was a wonderful summer festival that just brought together all sorts of people and community and really had an organic life of its own. Then Vic went on to just build community all over the place with them. Um, I'm thinking about your uh, singing. I can't remember. The, the Freestyle Fridays, the open mics. Yeah, open mics and Freestyle Fridays and youth nights. And his latest thing, what, what, we're, what I really want him to to tell us some more about today is about an initiative that's been it's been percolating for a little while, but it's it's starting to boil. It's really starting to rock and roll. So, Vic Man, I'm really good, really glad to have you here with us today. Tell us a little bit about your mental campaign and about what you're doing and anything you want, really. Sure. Well, first off, I want to thank you guys for having me on the podcast. Uh, you've been talking about Jody for quite some time, and I'm glad to finally meet Jody. And uh, yeah, our conversation, Fauna, first and foremost, uh, I you have such a special place in my heart because our conversation has been going on for two years, and you are somebody that I would um, refer to as one of my strongest community members that I look to for support and guidance. You know, on that kind of a tip about community... We were kind of talking about that before we started the podcast. And when I started Mental Wealth in my office, I remember thinking about some core values that I really wanted Mental Wealth to embody. And collaboration was at the top. So collaboration, I kind of thought, you know, I, I was looking for different quotes on collaboration. And I found one that really worked and it kind of hit me right in the heartstrings, which was collaboration is not about gluing together existing egos. It's about not having all the answers until everyone entered the room. And that's kind of like what we're doing right now and what mental wealth is all about, because we work with traditional and non-traditional mental health professionals. Uh, well, Vic, I, I love that quote. And I am really excited to have the opportunity to finally meet you, too, because I said to Fauna, like, who this guy? Why are we having <laughs> him is- on this show? <laughs> on the show? Like, what's going on? So how has that that been for you? Because I know that in in my in-depth research of creeping you before we did the show is you have a pretty... Uh, integral story and you moved into a brand new community and really had to dive into becoming that community. You know, Fauna listed off all the cool things that you've, you've brought in and done to that community, but almost if I can say like as a community implant, it wasn't your home community. So how did that collaborative work sort of start for you grassroots wise? So men- the mental health campaign actually starts with my story in, in mental health and if you did creep in, you kind of did get a chance to see about my story. It started in Abbotsford, where I was born and raised, where I kind of spent like a 10-year struggle with my own mental health, having gone through what I would call like mental uh, purgatory 
for myself. So kind of going through various medications for depression, having been admitted to a psych ward after going through manic episodes or some might call them uh, spiritual emergencies, having gone through those um, kind of knocked me into a space where, like I said, it was mental purgatory and there was real, there was no real life in, in, in nothing that I could consider to be life for myself. So time kind of stood still for me. So you know how you have like the fight, flight or freeze? Everything froze for me for about a decade. When I kind of reclaimed my life after being on the brink of suicide, I came to Okotoks on a whim. A, a friend of mine, actually, that I grew up with, he's like, hey, man, I got a stucco company that my brother wants us to get involved with. I'm like, shit, I don't know anything about stucco, man. I'll come. Like, it's good money. Cool. I'm just like rehabilitating myself. He's like, yeah, come out. We'll go do stucco. I'm like, sure. I uh, took a bus out to Ogatoks, Greyhound bus. I had like three G's in my bank account. Had a medicine ball, had a suitcase. He got me a place to live. I moved out in 2014, so I was about 29 at that point, and uh, came out to the beautiful little community, Okotoks. And uh, something I have to say about Okotoks, it has an energy to it. It has a feel. As I remember driving in to Okotoks and seeing the Okotoks sign and feeling like this wave of calm just completely washed over me. Going into that community, I had uh, the ability to have like a fresh start because, uh, yeah, from going from stucco to what I'm doing now, I obviously didn't very much like stucco. I don't think, I don't think people, yeah. I don't think if it, people it, like stucco and they do stucco. Stucco in your life? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was a little stucco at that job, so I got unstuckled. <laughs> and then many jokes for this. Yeah. <laughs> so I unstuckled myself from that life. Um, got a job selling cars at Okotoks Ford, got, didn't know I was like, um, a natural sales professional and then got poached to become a general sales manager, um, developed some skills there, took those skills, became a business coach, uh, specializing in sales, started to put together what Vaughn had mentioned before, yoga totes, festivals, health and wellness festivals for the community, started to kind of expand into like open mics and business meetups. But I was, you know, like I said, I was frozen for about 10 years. So I would consider all that work I did, those are like my college years. That was like me kind of getting my coma, per se, if you will, like in community connection. And coming to this point, everybody kind of just knew me as like this happy-go-lucky kind of guy. But I had never really told anybody my story that I kind of briefly described to you guys. So when I started to do that, it became abundantly clear, like, you know, something was always missing with when I was doing yoga talks and the open mics. Yeah, they filled... Like they filled me with joy, but there was always that kind of like, there's, there's, those, there's something more. And then when I started to explore that, uh, mental wealth came to the surface. I haven't looked back and it is like, you know, we talked about in the beginning, it has now become my mistress, my wife, my one and only, the thing that is at the forefront of my mind. It's amazing to think of you going from the medicine ball on the bus. I'm, I'm, I have a visual of that to mental wealth. And maybe you can tell us like, what is mental wealth? And, and what's your dream for it? What's it going to look like? So mental wealth, um, the whole goal with mental wealth is to uh, empower individuals to take ownership of their mental health. So we're uh, it's a movement for all minds. And we empower people to experiment with traditional and non-traditional mental health services. That's kind of, you know, done through community, like we've been talking about, to allow them to find their unique mental health recipe. What we do is because we work with, we have about seven different uh, offerings a week. 
with different professionals. So we have people that are traditional, like psychologists, and we have non-traditional people that are like, you know, um, practice shamanic Reiki, who hold peer support groups. So we have kind of all these, you know, this diverse offering to be able to present to everybody to say, hey, we don't have your answer. You do. And if you continue to work in not only this community, but other communities to really kind of liberate your mind to find what your mental health recipe will be, watch what will happen after. Watch what what you once thought was a mental illness turn into just a mental misunderstanding and for you to be empowered to really be the real you. So that's that's kind of mental wealth in a nutshell. And why does community matter to you? Community matters to me because of, you know, you mentioned all the things that I um, had done in the community, like the festivals and the open mics, and that wasn't possible without community. That wasn't possible without, you know, people like Fauna, especially with mental wealth, you know, being somebody who was so supportive in the background to kind of be somebody I could go to to kind of diffuse my mind to help give me clarity and guidance as to what my next step was going to be. You know, these, these, these yoga festivals couldn't have been done without these, uh, yoga instructors and these, these healers to come and, 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 and take part in it. And it, and, and nothing could have ever happened if the community never had faith in me or any of these visions so that I could have the confidence in myself to bring them forth. So that's why community has such a very near and dear spot in my heart because without community, there is no mental wealth. There is no yoga totes. When it comes to, the concept of when citizens step in to do what citizens need or want or want to create in their community versus maybe I should just wait and see what somebody else would do, or maybe the government will step in or whatever that other dynamic would be. What do you say to those scenarios? Which one do you think works better? I would say I'm just biased because I, I, I would be the person that just steps in and does and acts but you know that's not to say that doesn't come without you know what people would consider failure like shit i feel like i you know how many times i failed at things that i've done like little gatherings or thought things i thought i was going to do with myself there have been plenty of failed experiments you know by acting but it gave me momentum to get to mental wealth so without those failures and without acting, I would never have been able to find mental wealth. So it's kind of like the kindling to all of this. And it just helped me along the way. So Vic, I know that, um, you know, this has been like an idea that sat with you for a while. Do you have any kind of stories or, you know, things that come to your mind? What's kept you going on this, on this journey? Do you have any, any stories for us? Anything that touched you or things that you've seen in your mental wealth journey so far? Yeah. So um, I mentioned before I was in, I've been in, I've been in the psych ward a few times. And I remember, I remember the one time in Abbotsford when I was in the psych ward, there was a nurse by the name of Jane. And Jane, I could tell, you know, that Jane was talking to me like I was a real person. Jane was genuinely, authentically listening to me. Jane would take me to yoga. Jane actually encouraged me because what I did is I started like a little positive affirmation booklet there, just writing little positive affirmations. And people would come and write in there. And Jane kept encouraging me to do that. It's still there after all these years. And I always go back. I bring her flowers. I bring her flowers. And, and like, well, she's never really, I've never, I haven't met her yet after all these years, but I always, and I will drop her off flowers every Christmas that I come back to visit in Abbotsford. So Jane is near and dear in my heart. 
I would say my mom, you know, that's a whole different podcast, but it's my mom and uh, my friends who, who, who never, you know, left my side after I went manic, because I would think that's been my biggest uh, kind of feeling of shame that I've had to overcome was when I've gone manic feeling like, I just think that everybody thinks I'm, there's, I don't have any worth or I'm crazy, you know, all these things that I think, but there's people that have never left my side. So they just actually make fun of me now, which I really kind of enjoy because that's what I like. I'm like, just make fun of me. I just, it's, it's not that I, I enjoy when you don't take it so seriously. So. Uh, did he just invite us to make fun of him, Fana? Yes. Does, does yes, he not know yes. what podcast he's on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. heard it too. Go I down. heard it too. Go to Get down. on. Shit, start the show over. I want to have a different idea. My question for you in this, Vic, is it's obvious that there's an incubation period for ideas. And I think we know that there's people in our communities right now who are incubating an idea and they're percolating on it and they're thinking or they it's over here, but their path to bring them to it hasn't come there yet. What sort of, I don't know if, if advice would be the right word, but what would you say to those who are currently incubating that idea? Because there's a lot of fear that stops us from doing it. There's a lot of, I think, a lot of mental games that we play with ourselves for it. What would you say? Because you, yours, yours took a long time to come out. It took a, yeah, you talk about percolation. It took a long time to come out. I would say to people, don't stop. Don't ever stop. Don't you, you had your vision. You had your dream. You're incubating it. You're curating it. Make sure that the people that are around you, you intuitively know that they support your dreams. You know, get your, get, you know, fueled up on inspiration from them. But most importantly, fuel yourself up with optimism. Fuel yourself up and remind yourself. I write little, I write, you know, like I mentioned, the little quotes. Um, at the psych ward, but I, in my room, I write down affirmations and I look at them. And some days they don't mean like much of anything to me, but they're always there. And it's just kind of ways that I just remember that I have to keep this internal fire going. So I must tend to it with positivity, with with optimism. So just keep going, people. It's a this is all hands on deck, right, Fauna? Yeah, we talked about that. It's like where we're coming into right now with, in these choppy seas that we're all living in right now. It's, it's all hands on deck. And that's, I think one of the things I love that you said was about, you know, it's finding your own ingredients, like finding your own recipe for wellness. And, you know, you have to be creative about that. With Jody's question there is also about leadership and. I really like you had talked um, about some of your open mics and how how let it how your leadership has shifted from just being in this being in groups and allowing them to happen. Can you speak to that that leadership part a little bit? And how that's changed for you? When you do start projects, so like Jody had mentioned, these those those projects that are people are incubating. We all incubate these projects or you know, what we feel like is our purpose in life. So as it goes through that incubation period, you can really feel like you have. Uh, a little bit too, you, you kind of put too much control over the situation and it can almost suffocate. And I can tell you in the beginning when I used to do festivals, there's pictures of me. I don't look like I'm having very much fun. I look angry as hell. My eyebrows, you know, I got like, if you ever watch OC, I got Sandy Cohen eyebrows. So they're big bushy <laughs> eyebrows. So I always kind of look angry. So like these pictures, they don't do me any justice where, you know, I, I was like so upset. I was like, why? Everybody's like, oh, these festivals are so fun. I didn't feel like I had fun. People are like, oh, these open mics are just wonderful. I got my pits are just covered in sweat. And I'm just like, okay, I'm glad you guys had fun. 
And the more I started to do these events, it does like with time, you start to realize this leadership is not about a title. It's not about what am I doing? It's what we are doing. And the more I started to let go and trust the people that I work with and that work with me, that believe in me because I believe in them. And I just started to see like how much easier and organically things started to come together, you know, especially working with these different mental health professionals like these professionals are masters in their craft and all they ever needed was a platform to tie them together so really when i think about it it's like we're all this we're all just pieces to this puzzle coming together and the more that i remind myself of that the less pressure i put on myself so i can again let this incubation happen naturally without kind of hindering its growth yeah good reminder we don't have to be the whole damn puzzle yes a piece yeah yeah. I'm not sure. Would you be a border piece or do you think you're like one in the middle? Lots of color. I'm like, you know, <laughs> uh, I have, I, I, I have a, uh, I, I'd probably be like a corner piece. I'd like a nice yeah. little sturdy corner piece. Yeah. So they have some straight sides and some, yeah. some curvy wildness to you. Yeah. A little curvy I feel wildness. like I'm developing a new personality test for people <laughs> on the show, Fauna. It's like, we're going to yeah. be like, okay, if you were a puzzle piece, what puzzle piece would you be? And then we'll dive deep into who you really are on the next show with Big Man. <laughs> How do you make fun of this guy, Fauna? He's too awesome. You're, you can go ahead make fun of you can make fun of one. The more you get to know me, please make fun of the, oh, the manic episodes. So, oh, yes, that's really in my wheelhouse to just dive into making fun of people's manic episodes. That's my back pocket shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> So I will tell you, like the the last time, Vic, this isn't making fun of you because it was like some leadership. Is you you have a tendency when you're manic to uh, to really get doing some rhymes, and you inspired me to send you a rhyme. My first rhyme, oh. yeah, Vic turned me into a rapper, Jody. Like a what? yeah, yeah, it's like it some stuff. If I was to self-assess, yeah, which, can you give us a little piece of that right now, or? No. Should we do a little freestyle? Right now? Yeah. That's she's like, I'll just mute myself. No freestyle. Right. Um, I feel like we've uncovered a bit of a nugget for a future episode of the Cake and Eat It podcast, my friends. Please stay tuned for that. And Vic, I think we could probably talk to you all night long, but we won't do that today. We'll save and, and have you back again to share more nuggets with us. And we really appreciate your time and your heart and your journey and your authenticity in that. And you've created a really cool platform that it's it's just going to keep growing. So I'm pretty excited about that. Thank you guys so much. Glad I finally got to meet you. <laughs> <laughs>